the teams you care about. I've got Pats, I've got Sox, Bruins, Celtics, UVM. Where do we want to start? The stories that matter to you. A huge shocker out of Foxborough, Mac Jones, the quarterback of your New England Patriots. This is your home for New England sports. I admit it, I'm a card-carrying member of both the High and Bloom and Cam Newton fan clubs. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show on a Friday, a football Friday, and a Red Sox-Yankees Friday right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Short show tonight, just going up until 6-10. Again, we have that huge series between the Sox and Yankees tonight at Fenway Park. So 6-10 pregame, 7-10 first pitch. The Red Sox enter the series two games up on the Yanks in the wild card race, and the Yanks are one game up on Toronto for the final wild card spot. Great pitching matchup today, at least on paper, Garrett Cole against Nathan Evaldi. It is a football Friday. So we will talk Patriots and Saints as well. Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, Pat's insider, will be with us at 545 as he is every single Friday. Remember, if you are new to the show, we are, we are uh, getting to the end of our short shows for the year. So a lot of times during Red Sox baseball, we're forced off the air at 610 for, for Sox pregame. When the season ends, or at least, again, the regular season ends, we're going to be out of that pattern. So if you're just joining us on this show, just know that pretty soon from now we're going to have full 90-minute shows, 5.30 until 7 always. So you can get in on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. It's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let go. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And here we the opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I think Sunday will be the day that you really see things fall on Mac Jones. If you're looking for the next step in his development, for the next progression in his development, I think it's going to be this week, Sunday, against the New Orleans Saints. Because I think in this game, where both teams come in one and one, in this game, I think you're going to see some of the resources taken away from Mac Jones. The Saints are really good against the run. Last week, they shut down Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, one of the best running backs in football, one of the most dynamic playmakers in football. 24 carries, 72 yards, 3 yards a carry. They shut him down. They shut down the Green Bay Packers in a week one blowout also. The run game very well may get taken away or severely limited here in this game, and that's going to put more on Mac Jones's head and more on Mac Jones's plate. If you're looking for Mac Jones to have to do more, it very well might be on Sunday, and I think it will be. The Patriots have tried their best so far through two games, as we've talked about, to nurse Mac Jones along, to insulate him from problematic situations. They've had a convenient game script for Mac Jones. I don't think they're going to be able to play that way on Sunday. Matt Castle, 
former Pats quarterback, now an insider for the Pats at NBC Sports Boston, talked further about just how good the Saints are against the run. This is a week that is going to be a challenge against Dennis Allen. I mean, they went 55 games straight without giving up a 100-yard rusher until last week, week 14. Week 55 games straight without giving a 100-yard rusher. They've been at the wow. top of the league for the last three years. This team has been at the top of the league in rush defense for the last three years. The Saints make stopping the run a priority. And when you are able to stop the run, you're able to take away that advantageous game script that the Patriots want to play. I'm not saying that the Patriots won't win. I'll get you my prediction here after we talk to Phil Perry, who's coming up at 545. But I don't think that Mac Jones is going to be allowed to play as comfortable as he's played in the first two weeks. It was the first two weeks, run the ball, play good defense, force some turnovers. Mac, just don't screw it up. And it worked reasonably well. They went one and one out of that. I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. If the Saints take away Damian Harris and they force the Patriots offense to play with one hand behind, tied behind its back, Mac Jones is going to have more work to do and we're going to have to see more stuff from him. He may be under duress more often. And He's been hit a lot through two games, but he may be under duress more often as he tries to scan the field here and, and try to make things happen because I think he's going to have to pass more than he did in the first two weeks. More chances to pass, more chances to be rushed, more chances to be hit. This is a game where I think Mac Jones is going to have to rescue the Patriots offense from some third and sevens. It's not third and two. Pats were 11 of 16 on third down in week one. They really, really played well in that phase of the game. Weren't as good in week two against the Jets, but the defense covered for everything so well it didn't really matter. Mac Jones say, or on Sunday, he's not going to get third and one, third and two. That's the perfect scenario. That's what the Pats try to get for him. It's not going to happen. If the Saints take away the run like they've been known to do for the last three years, Mac Jones is going to have to make some plays on third and seven. Or the other thing I'd be interested in, Mac Jones is going to have to throw on early downs more often to keep that defense honest. Because right now, it's pretty easy to sit here and say, run on first, make it second and six. Run on second, make it second and four. Run on third, now it's third and two, and we kind of do what we want. If Mac Jones wants to take his game to the next level this week also, in addition to just throwing more, throwing early would be good as well. First and ten, we're going to play action. You want to stop the run? First and ten play fake. Now we throw it deep. 18 yards, middle of the field, Hunter Henry. First and 10, play fake, down the sideline, Nelson Aguilar, 42 yards. This might be the day where the Pats take some shots. Throw early and keep that Saints defense on its toes. If you want to throw to set up the run, that just may work. But Mac Jones is going to have to do more than we've seen over the first two weeks of the season. It's the Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Switching over to the Pats defense here. This should be a game. We talk about Mac Jones doing more. This should be a game where the Pats defensive line should be able to take over. The Saints offensive line is a mess. Jameis Winston was under constant pressure Last week when they lost to the Carolina Panthers, the, the, the Saints' injuries, new people, big-time rotational issues, Saints' offensive line, huge problem last week. 
Pats should be able to exploit it this week. Catherine Terrell, who covers the Saints for The Athletic, she had this to say about what we saw last week. Honestly, I really think the issue here is partially Winston, but mostly right now about the communication between Winston and the offensive line. Uh, anyone who watched the Saints game saw all the protection issues, and it wasn't just that their starting center is out and they had to move their guard to center. It was that a lot of times they were calling the wrong protections. Calling the wrong protection, Saints starting center Eric McCoy out again for this week. So I want to see the Pats cause havoc with their front seven. Wreak havoc on the Saints offensive line and by extension on Jameis Winston. Here's my plan for the Pats. I want them to take away the run. Take away the run completely. Same as I think New Orleans is going to do. Get Alvin Kamara out of the game. I don't mean out of the game, actually, but take him out of the stat sheet. So get Alvin Kamara out of the stat sheet. Force Jameis Winston to have the ball in his hands because if Jameis Winston has to go back to pass a bunch in this game, the front seven can take greater advantage of the offensive line and the front seven and the defense can take greater advantage of Jameis Winston. I want the ball in Jameis's hands as much as possible. I want him to have to deal with pressure, and if the Pats can make him uncomfortable in that pressure, there's a good chance that this Jameis Winston will become the old Jameis Winston. The Jameis Winston we saw have 30 interceptions in Tampa in 2019, and Matt Castle agrees with that too. So it's interesting. I think for the Patriots, it's all about creating pressure, stopping the run, and putting the ball in Jameis Winston's hands because – Time, time has told us that he's going to, at some point or another, force the ball downfield, make a bad decision, and that's what the New England Patriots have capitalized on continuously. We saw it last Winston last week, he multiple interceptions, threw with poor mechanics. Uh, if you make him uncomfortable, you have to like your odds of him making a mistake. When I think about the New Orleans Saints, my number one priority, if I'm the Pats, is stopping Alvin Kamara. If you stop him and you force Jameis Winston to beat you, that that's odds I have to take as a Patriots fan and as a Patriots player. I can't lose this game because Kamara has 100 yards rushing and has 12 catches. I just can't. I need to stop the run, and I need to make Jameis Winston beat me. And Jameis Winston is capable of doing special things, but he's also capable of losing the game. And the Patriots have to try to make that happen. Be aggressive up front. Be aggressive on the back end. The Pats can win this game. The Pats are more talented than the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are going to play without Michael Thomas. Remember, he's hurt. This team no longer has Emmanuel Sanders. They no longer have Drew Brees. They no longer have Jared Cook. It's not the same Saints team that's been in the playoffs a bunch of years here lately. It's a different team. It's a team in semi-rebuilding mode here. The Saints don't have a lot of depth. They've got some good upper echelon players. They don't have a lot of depth. The offensive line right now and the quarterback aren't on the same page. It's all new. Take advantage of that. Stop the run. Put the ball in Jameis's hands and make him make a mistake because time has shown, to Matt Castle's point, he will make the big mistake if you let him. And if he's got to throw it 47 times, he may throw for 320 yards. But if he throws two picks, I like my chances. I have to get the football in this game. 
Because if Jameis Winston doesn't have any pressure and can sit back there, pat, 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 scan, he will kill you. He will absolutely destroy you if he gets that kind of time. I can't let him get that kind of time. Take away the run. That's focus one. Get pressure. Make Jameis uncomfortable. And make him do Jameis things. If you do that, then you win this game if you're the Patriots. 802-585-3026. I'll give you my score prediction after we talk to Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston. What do you think this game is going to be like in Foxborough on Sunday? And remember, we have it for you Sunday, 10 a.m. right here on DEV, 1 o'clock with the kickoff. So your score predictions, we'll take them, we'll read them after Phil Perry. So I've got my keys to the game. Am I on the right track? What do the experts think? Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, Pat's Insider. He's with us next on WDEV, AM and FM. The biggest stories in Foxborough. Your primary goal should be finding out if Mac Jones is good. All the information from Patriots Place. Bill Belichick's going to be 69 years old this year. They want to compete. It's Football Talk Friday with Patriots Insider Phil Perry on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on a Friday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Getting ready for Patriots and Saints. We're going to have the game for you on the radio on Sunday, 10 a.m. with the coverage, 1 p.m. with the kickoff. Both teams come in at 1-1. One and one. And breaking it down with us now is our guy every Friday, Football Talk Friday with Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, Pat's Insider, and also check him out on the next Pat's podcast and on Tom Curran's Patriots Talk podcast as well. Phil, how are you? Ready for week three? I am, Brady, I am, though we, of course, have started looking ahead to week four. I'm finding this week three matchup to be pretty interesting, so I'm excited for this one. Yeah, how does Bill Belichick keep his team in the moment, and which veteran does he lean on to to keep everybody dialed into week three and not looking ahead? I don't think there's one, but I think there's one in almost every position group, and I think that's the way Bill Belichick likes it. So whether it's Devin McCourty or Matthew Slater or James White or Dante Hightower – there's, you know, David Andrews, throw him in that mix. Lawrence, I mean, they're, they're really, they're sprinkled all throughout the locker room. The guys who understand Bill's approach and Bill's culture and the grinded out day-to-day nature of the beast that they have there at one Patriot place. And so I think I'll lean on all those guys. And I think, honestly, Brady, I don't, I don't think they're good enough to look ahead, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. I, I think it was almost easier to, quote-unquote, trap the Patriots when they were this juggernaut team because you could you could get away with, or at least in your own mind, get away with looking ahead past the give, a given week's game. But this team's not good enough to do that. And so I, I think they know they have to be on their P's and Q's every single week or there's a chance they embarrass themselves. So I think that's where they're at this week. Well, as you mentioned, everybody's looking ahead to week four. And I got to admit, this is not like a good sports radio guy thing to say, but I'm largely uninterested mostly in rehashing the Brady Belichick stuff. The one thing I am interested in is everybody's been focusing on what is the reaction going to be like for Brady and Gronk when they come back. And I just, I'm, I'm going down the conspiracy theory hole here, and I want to ask you this question. The Pats are honoring Julian Edelman this week. They could have brought him back in week four and just made it old timers day. Are they honoring him this week and leaving week four clear so they can do something special for Brady and leave it for Brady individually? That's a great question. I, I, I would love to know what the team's organized response to having Brady back in the building will be. 
does he get a video? Do they stop the game at any point in time to to honor him in some way, shape, or form? For instance, if he if he breaks some kind of record, yeah, against the Patriots at Gillette Stadium, that would surprise me. A video would make more sense, but do they do more than that? I have no idea, and I've asked around a little bit, Brady, and I, I think uh, they have an idea of what they'll do, but but we are not privy to that just yet. So the Julian Edelman timing, I think, looks conspicuous based on the fact that it is a a week away from the Brady arrival but I think this this one makes sense in that great player future team hall of famer right who never got a chance to really say goodbye to the fans Mm -hmm. and that's that's not normal right for there are a lot of players who don't have that opportunity because of injury or something else but I think they they wanted to give a nod to Julian Edelman acknowledging the fact that his last season was in a, a COVID impacted yeah. season. So that's what I think this is. You know, I was a huge cam guy. Cam was my favorite Patriot with cam gone. Jacoby Myers is my favorite Patriot. <laughs> How much of Edelman do you see in Myers? How much has he taken from number 11? Well, the, the road is similar, right? And I think that part of it, he has taken and he's able to use Edelman as a model in some ways. Edelman was drafted. Myers wasn't, but you know, both late day three guys, if you want to call them that. And I I just think what's interesting about Myers is that his skill set is so much different that it makes that comparison an interesting one. They play the same position, but he's not that low cut short, you know, ability to, to break your ankles type of receiver. He's just not. And so, I think the toughness part of it, I think the the work ethic part of it, all of that stuff applies. The former quarterback part of it, mm, of, yeah. of course, applies as well. Uh, and I think Myers would tell you that he was really lucky to spend as much time as he did with Edelman to try to learn from that guy. But they're just such different players. And I, I'm interested to just see what Jacoby Myers' ceiling will be, Brady, because – I don't think we're there yet. I don't know what his ceiling is, but he's not like Julian Edelman had some special physical tools. Yep. Like he really did in terms of change of direction. He was a strong guy for somebody who, you know, had a smaller frame, but his frame. And I think people don't even really give him credit for that. Like people think of, of Welker and Amendola and Edelman as, as sort of the same class. Edelman's frame was, was much stronger than Amendola's, for instance, and yeah. it allowed him to do some different things. And so I don't know where Myers' ceiling is. I don't know if we're getting close to it. I think maybe we are, uh, but he'll be able to to prove me and anybody who, who thinks like me um, wrong if he's able to continue to, to grow and develop as he has over the first couple of years of his career. Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston. Pat's insider with us every Friday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. You know, I was reading your preview, and I listened to you this week on the podcast, did my own research. I'm pretty convinced the Saints are pretty good against the run. So if they're so good against the run, is this going to be the first real big chance for Mac Jones to take a game over himself? Is it going to fall on him more this week than it has? He might not be able to play behind the convenient game script this week. They might ask him to do a little bit more this week than he was asked to do the first couple weeks. But the issue that that he faces is that the Saints play a lot of man-to-man coverage. The Saints like to blitz. Will they blitz as often as the Dolphins did week one? No, I don't think so. But 
that might be the type of game plan that that he's in store to see. And if that's the case, the Patriots can can want to put more on his shoulders all they want. But if there aren't throws available to him because he's being pressured consistently, and that to me has been the biggest issue through two yeah. weeks, there's only so much he can do. Right. So I think this is this is really a huge game for this Patriots offensive line to give Mac Jones some time and see if he can put together that kind of game that I think a lot of Patriots fans are hoping to see. To me, it's not it's not Josh McDaniels holding back Mac Jones. It's not Mac Jones holding back Mac Jones. It's the offensive line. And then Josh McDaniels has to adapt to that. And Mac Jones has to adapt to that. He's not going to be able to be this through the air dynamo that I think people are hoping to see if he only has two seconds to sit behind center and diagnose what's going on defensively. So this offensive line is really the group that needs to step up and give him time so that he can put together that kind of game that Patriots fans are hoping to see. You know, there's a quote we played from you all offseason where it said the Patriots are built to play bully ball. And that was different, you know, when Cam was here. It was even more so maybe. But what is going on with the line? Because in order to play bully ball, in order to be a run-first team and kind of nurse your quarterback along, you do need that line to be good. And we thought it was kind of a given. What's happened in the first two weeks? I would just say lack of execution. And I know that is sort of a football cliche, Brady, <laughs> and I don't want to be that guy. But I would be lying to you if I told you that it was all what's happening at right tackle. All of the line's issues are because Trent Brown's gone. And if Trent Brown comes back, all will be fixed. Would love to say that. But I'd be lying. Because hmm. it's not just the right tackle. It's the left tackle. At times, it's the left guard. At times, it's the right guard. I just would look at this entire unit right now and say they need to play better together. They need to communicate a little bit better. And when they have opportunities to win one-on-one -on -one matchups, they have to win those. One thing that's interesting in terms of their performance on the ground, Brady, and they're right in the middle of the pack. They're 4.2 yards per carry through two games, which is fine. But we thought, again, this would be a bully ball team. This would be a dominant rushing attack. And that's not what it's been. And, and I think you can look specifically at the offensive line because no running back in football has more yards after contact than Damian Harris except for Derrick Henry. So yep. Derrick Henry's number one. Damian Harris is number two. And so that tells me, man, if he's got all those yards after contact and they're still just a middle-of-the-pack rushing team in terms of yards per rush, what's happening before contact? Yeah. Why is he being contacted so early? Why doesn't he have more room before he breaks into the secondary where he can make people miss and break tackles? And that, to me, falls on the offensive line. You mentioned it, but unfortunately for them, they're going against one of the better run defenses that the NFL has seen really over the course of the last couple of years. They went over three years without allowing a 100-yard rusher. That streak was broken late last season. So it's going to be a difficult week for them. It'll be a little bit easier if Trent Brown comes back, but that's not the only issue they've had, Brady. Yeah, what is up with the injury report? It looks like Van Noy is going to play, who had, had this mysterious throat issue. Is Brown going to play? And Damian Harris now with a, a finger issue that I wasn't really privy to until recently. Well, I believe the finger issue, and we're trying to do some digging on this, but the finger issue was one um, that, that may have actually happened in practice. Hmm. Um, you know, it's not something that I noticed that happened during the game. So we'll see on that in terms of just how limited he's been and what his status is for Sunday. I think people should feel okay about Trent Brown playing on Sunday. I don't know for a fact if he will. My guess is he'll be questionable. 
and maybe we see him go through a few tests pregame to make sure he's okay and maybe he's a game time decision but this was a guy who wasn't pulled immediately from that first game against the Dolphins it was not like it was a it was a dramatic sort of issue that he was dealing with and and they had to get him out of there he was in uniform he had it wrapped up it looked like he, he was going to try to get back in the game then he misses last week's game but he did practice the Friday before and this is a progression that we see fairly often Brady is guys hurt he comes back to practice on a Friday okay you kind of understand he's not going to be able to play Sunday but the odds are fairly good that he'll be back the following week so that's where I think they're at with Trent Brown and, and again They'll need him. Cam Jordan is going to be one of the best defensive ends they play all year. And he lines up almost exclusively on opposing right tackles. So if it's not Trent Brown, now you've got Justin Haran or Yasir Durant going against Cam Jordan snap after snap after snap. And again, if you're hoping for Mac Jones to be able to drop back, diagnose the defense and throw down the field, that's not going to be able to happen all that often if that's the matchup you have up front. Does the Pats defensive line take advantage of a uh, patchwork offensive line for uh, for the Saints? Can they get pressure on Jameis Winston? They should be able to. And not only that, they should be able to confuse both Jameis Winston and this offensive line. And so what I would expect is you see, we haven't seen it all that much lately, but I would expect this is the week where we first start to see some amoeba packages where mm. you have these defensive linemen and linebackers kind of walking around at the line of scrimmage. The Saints are going to be without their starting center, Eric McCoy. Last year or last week, they had to deal with Cesar Ruiz, who filled in at center in a pinch. It did not go well. The Panthers had a field day with Jameis Winston and with that offensive line, just feigning rushers at the line of scrimmage. Okay, so they'd have six or seven guys at the line. They dropped two or three of them out as soon as the ball was snapped. So they'd still only be rushing four, but they get free rushers at Jameis Winston because the offensive line's not experienced enough. They don't have enough time together to be able to suss out who's rushing, who's not, which guy do I have, which guy do you have. They have two great tackles, Brady, so I'm not sure the pressure is going to be coming off the edge. But if they can confuse that interior, again, with Eric McCoy out and a different player there at center, and you have a relatively inexperienced, at least inexperienced in this offensive system, Jameis Winston running the show, there's going to be all kinds of opportunities there to pressure him and force him into mistakes. That's really what the Panthers were able to do last week is if you can get him to hold on to the football scramble around a little bit he'll force something down the field and he'll give your defensive backs an opportunity to get their hands on the football well pats have a good opportunity to move to two and one this week we'll have the coverage for you at 10 a.m on sunday kickoff is at one phil perry nbc sports boston you can also check him out on twitter at phil a perry on spotify and apple podcast with the next pats podcast and the tom currents patriots talk podcast and uh pre-game, post-game live on NBC Sports Boston as well. So, Phil, we appreciate the insight as always, and we'll do it again in seven days. It'll be a big one in seven days. Oh, yeah. I'm just hoping I survive seven <laughs> days from now, Brady. There's going to be a lot that happens yeah. between now and then, but I'm looking forward to it. Man. Yeah, we are looking forward, as, looking forward to it as well. Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston. Uh, looks like he agrees with a lot of my plan here, right? Try to get Jameis Winston uncomfortable. And as for Mac Jones... He thinks, too, there'll be a lot on his plate, but he's pretty bullish that the offensive line right now is an issue, and it's going to be hard, at least at present, for Mac Jones to be able to do all that he may be asked to do. As for the score prediction, I've got the Pats winning. I've got him moving to 2-1. and one. I've got him winning 24-16. to 16. I think they do enough defensively to make life tough for Jameis Winston. I think they can force a turnover or two on him, as we talked about. 
Offensively, I think it is going to be tough sledding for this team. I just don't think they're built to score 40 points right now. I think they can do enough win field position battle uh, battles when it calls for it. So 24-16, I'll say that Mac Jones fully engineers two touchdown drives, and they get one that's kind of aided by a turnover or short field. So Pats 24-16, they'll move to 2-1. and one. That is my official score prediction. Brady Farka's show is back after the national news update from CBS right here on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on a Friday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball, Sox-Yankees pregame show officially begins in about six minutes. We'll bring you the uh, lineups here momentarily. The show brought to you in part by Evan Holstrom Racing. Evan Holstrom is an 18-year-old race car driver out of uh, Northfield, Vermont. He's a, a driver on the Pro All-Star Series for the Super Late Models, and the Pass crew will be out at the Vermont Milk Bowl doing some stuff next Friday night. So if you're interested in Evan's career, interested in racing in general over at Thunder Road, you can go check out the Vermont Milk Bowl, the multi-day event culminating in the Milk Bowl, which is on Sunday, the 59th annual. Evan Holstrom is the youngest ever to qualify for the Vermont Milk Bowl. So you can find him online at evanholstromracing.com. We are going to learn a couple of really important things tonight out of Red Sox-Yankees. There's going to be a couple of things tonight you should be focusing on completely. Number one, from the Yankees' perspective, we're going to learn a lot about Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole was signed, $300-plus million. He was signed to help the Yankees win a division, and he was signed to help the Yankees win a World Series, and he was signed to help the Yankees beat the upper echelon of the American League, and that usually involves beating the Boston Red Sox. And Garrett Cole is 0-2 with an ERA of over 7 in two starts at Fenway Park this season. As much, look, I want Garrett Cole to fail, but if you are a Yankee fan or from a Yankee perspective, you need to see Garrett Cole do something positive here because if it turns out that that wild card game is Yankees at Red Sox, you want to know that you can put Garrett Cole on the mound in that situation and that he'll succeed. He's pitched well in his career in big moments before. He's 8-4 and four at lifetime in the playoffs, so it's not that he can't pitch in big moments. It's not a Clayton Kershaw-David Price narrative, but right now he can't pitch against the Red Sox at Fenway. It was back in May or whatever where the Red Sox teed off and were homer, homer, homer off of him. Kike Hernandez led off with one, I think. Devers hit one out past the right field bullpen. Garrett Cole has not been able to pitch against the Yankees in Fenway. He also struggled against them 2018 playoffs as a member of the Astros at Fenway. So Garrett Cole has to show that he can pitch in this ballpark against the Red Sox. You're going to learn if he can tonight. If he can't, then the Yankees got to feel pretty uh, screwed when it comes to the AL wildcard picture, or at least their chances of winning in a game like that. And then two, you're going to learn about Nathan Evaldi tonight also, I think. Evaldi has pitched well all year. If he doesn't pitch well tonight, I'm not going to crush him for it on Monday. He has earned the benefit of the doubt. I believe that Nathan Evaldi is good. And he has figured something out here this year. And he's going to get Cy Young votes, as I told you yesterday. So whatever happens tonight is not going to completely change my opinion of Evaldi. 
But I'm heavily leaning right now to giving Nathan Navaldi the ball in that same wild card game and not Chris Sale. I am heavily leaning towards giving that ball to Evaldi. If he can come out tonight and shove by in you know by shutting down a real lineup. This isn't the Rangers, this isn't the Orioles. If he can shut down a real lineup in this ballpark against that team with all the urgency in this situation, tonight will be a playoff environment in Fenway. If Nathan Evaldi can dominate this Yankees lineup, he will solidify my decision for me. If he bombs, then I'll consider giving the ball to Sale. But if he can pitch well tonight against that team that, again, is playing for everything that has so much on the line, if he can pitch well tonight under those conditions, well, it's pretty much a done deal for me. I want him to have the ball in you know my game number 163. Nathan Avaldi. Garrett Cole tonight. There's going to be a lot to react to coming up on Monday out of this series, and I cannot wait for it. Red Sox-Yankees pregame show begins in exactly two minutes. Let's get you the lineups. The Sox are two games up on the Yanks in the wild card race. The Yanks come into this one at 86-67. and 67. The Sox are 88-65. and 65. Garrett Cole's 15 and 8 with a 303. Really struggled his last time out. Evaldi is 10 and 8 with a 358. Yankee lineup: DJ LeMahieu leads off at third. He's hitting 268. Anthony Rizzo bats second at first, hitting 249, but he's got 20 homers. Aaron Judge is having a great season: 36 homers, 89 ribbies, batting 287. He plays right. Giancarlo Stanton's got 31 homers. He's the DH and bats fourth. Joey Gallo has really struggled since coming to New York. He is in the five spot in left. Glaber Torres bats sixth and plays second. Where did his power go? Seven home runs this year. That's it. Gio Urshel is back in the lineup. He's at shortstop hitting 264. Brett Gardner's in center. Kyle Higashioka is the catcher, so no Gary Sanchez tonight. For Evaldi behind him in the Red Sox, Kike Hernandez leads off in center. Kyle Schwarber's at first. Xander Bogart's hitting 304 is at shortstop. Rafael Devers, 34 homers, 105 ribbies. He bats fourth and plays third. J.D. Martinez is the DH. He bats fifth. Alex Verdugo's in left, hitting sixth. Hunter Renfro batting seventh in right. Christian Vasquez is the catcher. He bats eighth. And Jose Iglesias, who would have thought he'd be a key part of this pennant race for the Red Sox, he plays second and bats ninth. He's hitting 269. That's your Red Sox lineup. So Red Sox official pregame show with Mutt and the crew is coming up momentarily. Coming up on Monday, we're going to recap Red Sox-Yankees, update you on the latest AL wildcard standings, and we will bring you full coverage of our recap of the Patriots and Saints. Again, I've got the Pats winning that one 24-16, all the breakdown and all the reasons why it went down, how it did, coming up Monday. Full show, 5.30-7 on DEV.